Welcome to Useful Idiots. Welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi. I'm Katie Helper. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy happy. Christmas, Christmas, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, all that. I think Hanukkah maybe already happened. Diwali, I'm not sure when that is. But the point is, what is today? It is the day to celebrate Michael Moore second coming right yes exactly yeah more 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 yeah, yeah exactly so we have a great show more michael moore, more michael moore and, and other uh, stuff other stuff yeah yeah in fact we have so much of it let's just get right to it yeah let's get right to it so we didn't talk about this uh last week we should have the washington post released the first part of a huge expose uh called the afghanistan papers yeah uh and it's really an amazing story and it didn't get nearly as much coverage as it, as it should have. Just the background of what happened with this piece. The Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction, that's SIG-R. Right. Okay. So they did a, um, a study called Lessons Learned, where they interviewed 600 people who were involved with the Afghan invasion and, the, and, and occupation. Mm-hmm. So SIG-R was looking at what had gone wrong with the Afghan mission, basically, right. from, from start to beginning, from soup to nuts, right? So um, they did this whole report called Lessons Learned, and they, they put it out. And, it, of course, it was not complimentary. This was a couple of years ago. But the Washington Post did a smart thing. They said, hey, where's the source material? And this is a public report. We should find out what's in those interviews. So they sued twice to get hold of the raw material behind this report. And it's just, it's devastating, A, and B, completely the same as all the postmortems that happened in the 70s after Vietnam, because they found almost exactly the same things. Um, it, first of all, they spent a trillion dollars so far on this, uh, which is an <laughs> extraordinarily huge amount of money. Uh, and they found all kinds of cases of the money just basically being set on fire. Like in, in one region that's about the size of an American county, they were spending $3 million a day. Uh, and the quote on this was unbelievable. One unidentified contractor told government interviewers he was expected to dole out $3 million daily for projects in a single Afghan district, roughly the size of a U.S. county. He once asked a visiting congressman whether the lawmaker could responsibly spend that kind of money back home. Quote, he said, hell no. Well, sir, that's what you just obligated us to spend, and I'm doing it for communities that live in mud huts with no windows. So the, basically what they're, what they're saying with this is that the overall arching theme of this is that because they couldn't figure out any way to say that the mission was successful, they created basically bad metrics for, for success, mm-hmm. and the only metric they had ultimately was spending money. Right, like how much money you're throwing at the problem. Right. What were your thoughts about it? Well, I thought that the similarity to the Vietnam War that you noted was pretty striking and troubling. And, of course, the thing I thought about was how little of an impact this has made or right. little of a dent it's made in just how, how little it's entered the discussion. It's also interesting because the Iraq War, liberals are very kind of al- aligned for the most part in that it was a bad thing. This one, the Afghanistan War, has always kind of divided the left. Right. It was the good war. Um, yeah, exactly. Just like some people think the first Iraq war was the good one. They right. were both bad. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, the, the way it's presented as kind of like, oh, we tried to do the right thing, but we failed, as opposed to kind of having a preordained problem. Yeah, and, and so one of the things that they point out in this, and it's a, it's a constant problem with all of our operations overseas, the pattern is always the same. Yeah. We, we invade or, or we're invited into to some territory. 
Um, because we don't have any, we're, we're completely xenophobic and clueless and don't really understand foreign countries. We tend not to understand the language. Right. The only way we know how to preserve our territorial gains, whether they came militarily or whatever, is by throwing in our lot with one some group of politicians yeah. on the ground. We always pick the wrong people. We pick people who are corrupt. In this case, the Karzai government total, turned out to be you know rapaciously corrupt, taking bribes from everywhere. This creates anti-American settlement sentiment, which leads to anti-American movements and guerrillas, which forces us to spend more money, right. a, yeah. which creates, which makes the problem uh, get even worse. Right, because we're we're supporting the bad guys even with even more money. Right, and the only way we and know how to deal presence. with the problem yeah. is to just throw more resources and troops and weapons and whatever at it, which keeps the cycle, and yes. that's why we end up in a place for 18 years, yeah. and the, the last year is the most bloody uh, out of all of this in terms of civilians lost since we started counting that. Um, so it's it's kind of a devastating picture overall, and yet it's it's like not even on the radar publicly. Yeah. The other thing that's really amazing about this is is the is the whole question of the, the metrics thing, just to get into yeah. that quickly. When we went into Vietnam, one of the problems we had was how do we measure whether this is working or not. Because yeah. the, the, what we had really done is we had essentially invaded South Vietnam to help preserve our own hand-picked dictator uh, in the South, pr- uh, protect him both from North Vietnamese and from rebels in the South who mm-hmm. opposed him, right? Well, how do we, how do we measure whether we're, that's working or not? They couldn't figure out something. So the only thing they could come up with was how many people we were killing. And so that's why they came up with things like body counts, Theirs, obviously, not ours. Right, theirs. Not, yeah. yeah. Body counts, truck kills, kill ratios. So we were just telling people on the ground, we were telling generals, we don't want you to, like, here's how we're going to measure you. Send us back a number of how many people you kill, and we'll, we'll reward you or not based on, on, on those numbers. And that was basically our policy there for years because we, we, we couldn't figure out how to measure what we were doing there. And that's exactly what happened in, Viet- in, in, in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. It's not that we're measuring you know, body counts, but we were doing things like um, how much military activity, how, what, what are the levels of violence locally, are, are the roads 300% or 200% faster, how many cows are we milking, like none of this stuff had anything to do with whether or not our presence there was helping or hurting, it was just counting stuff. To justify being there. Right. Yeah, I really think that we, the United States hasn't done the right thing in terms of foreign policy since World War II. That's the last time we actually backed the right side, the good side. Right. I mean, yeah, there's this, this probably some individual cases, but it's yeah. just it's the same pattern over and over again. And, 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 uh, and you know, the, this so what do you what do you think the solution is, though? Right. Because then you have people saying, well, we can't pull out or well, we have to pull out. Though. The, so we just pull out. And then the damage that is done through that is a lot less than what it is through our presence. Yeah. See, what, what I think what people don't get about this is that we're making the problem yeah. worse by being there because we're so stupid. Yeah. Like if we had any kind of clue about how foreign countries work, like for instance, in Afghanistan, we've been trying to impose a strong central government yeah. um, in, in this country. The country's never had a central government, right? So, that, so it's completely resistant to that idea and it's just never going to work, but we keep trying to force it to work by, you know, by force, you know, and it's going to it's going to force us to spend more and more money trying to make this work. And another thing, just, just, just there's an incredible amount of detail in this in this uh, post piece. They, they should really be commended for what they did. And they found all these quotes like um, this one guy who was from the, the special forces. He's explaining the futility of trying to tell his leaders about how Afghanistan works. And he says, quote, they thought it was going to come to them with a map to show them where the good guys and bad guys live. 
At first, they kept just asking, but who are the bad guys? Where are they? So this is the questions they're asking after we've already invaded. It just tells you weird, how clueless. Kind of a weird order to do it. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. All right, so it's that as, time per, of the show. Yeah, as right. per our tr- per tradition, we're going to have to go through the most, the most stone moments yes. of the, uh, the campaign. Of the campaign. And I thought that for this week, it's the holidays, we could do a special bonus because um, we don't really pay a lot of attention to him and we don't want to neglect him. He's like the Grinch. Uh, right who had a very dramatic childhood, according to the Jim Carrey version. Oh, that's right, yes. Is, the oh Freudian. God, so cute, the yeah. little baby Grinch that he plays, that he was. So because of that, in particular, we want to play a clip of, of Trump, right? Because we have these stone campaign moments, and Trump, in some ways, his whole campaign, his, his presidency is a campaign. Well, yeah, so he's, he's a candidate. He's a candidate, yeah. These aren't campaign events, necessarily. No, but, but they are campaign adjacent. Right. And it's time, you know, we haven't seen the video of Trump in a while. Right. Well, so it's time. He, he's done a couple of events. He was in Hershey, Pennsylvania oh. recently. But, but, you know, it's not like he's out there every day. Like, right. You know. Oh, and I mean, on the show, we haven't shown a video of him in a while. So let's uh, listen to what he has to say. We have a situation where we're looking very strongly at sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms where uh, you turn the faucet on in areas where there's tremendous amounts of water, where the water rushes out to sea because you could never handle it. And you don't get any water. You turn on the faucet, you don't get any water. They take a shower and water comes dripping out. It's dripping out, very quietly dripping out. People are flushing toilets <laughs> 10 times, 15 times, as opposed to once. They end up using more water. So EPA is looking at that very strongly, at my suggestion. Uh, you go into a new building or a new house or a new home, and they have standards on where you don't get water. You can't, you can't wash your hands, practically. There's so little water comes out of the faucet. <laughs> and the end result is you leave the faucet on, and it takes you much longer to wash your hands. You end up using the same amount of water. So we're looking at uh, very seriously at opening up the standard. And uh, there may be some areas where we'll go the other route, desert areas. But for the most part, you have many states where they have so much water that it comes down. It's called rain, that they don't know, they don't know what to do with it. So we're going to be opening up that, I, I believe. And we're looking at uh, changing the standards very soon. That's my okay. favorite moment. That's, that's my, no stone, I, I, my, but that definitely be, my favorite. Yeah. I think it might be my favorite, yeah. too. Basically, it took him too long to wash his hands once, so he oh, wants yeah, to call it an airstrike. Oh, yeah, because he's a real germaphobe. Right? Yes, right? Yeah. He's a real germaphobe? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, right, you can see how upset he is about the lack of forcefulness, the weak water. Right, the weak water. He yeah. went and he, he tried to turn, and it wasn't coming out Forceful fast enough, enough yeah. so yeah. he was he was upset. And he has to leave it on constantly, yeah. Right, so so he now, of course, he's the president of the United States, so he, you know, the, he has to throw the authority of his office at the problem yeah. of... Of, of the water, water that didn't come water out. Water pressure, yeah. Right? Yeah. There's some deserts, but mostly there's enough water. Right. As he pointed out. People are flushing toilets 10 times, 15 times, as opposed to once. As opposed to once. Yeah. Right. Uh, probably he had to flush too many times. Yeah. So maybe he's talking about... Maybe oh. He, maybe he... Maybe he's revealing something about himself. Right. I love the fact that he feels free to just kind of... Riff. Like, riff about this topic in front of the like he's kind of nuts but it, i know it's totally awesome. nuts yeah that goes to the top of the list yeah for i agree me, i think it, it's well, i don't know it's that or 
big structural Bailey. I, oh, yeah. Those are tied for me. It's close. We'll put yeah. it to a poll. Yeah, All right. What else do we have? There's a Joe Biden one. This one's a, th- a vintage that I just really want to, to look at. Because, again, it's the holiday season. This is a kind of like a bonus-ish episode. So we're not playing by the rules as much as we usually do. The relevant thing is just, just to listen. As always, it's to, just to listen to Biden. And I also am told that, uh, that uh, uh, Chuck Graham, state senator, is here. Chuck, stand up. Chuck, let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Thank you very, very much. I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. Do you know what happens there? Yeah, no, the guy's okay. in a wheelchair. Thank you, pal. Yeah. You can tell I'm new. This is his Bob Barker impersonation. It's so amazing. Punching into the crowd. I love the way he says, God bless you, though. When he re- So he tells a guy who's in a wheelchair to stand up. Yeah. Like a preacher, kind of. But he didn't realize he was in a wheelchair. Right. Or his brain just... Or his brain went elsewhere just, for yeah. a second. It just goes... Elsewhere. What, did, what did he say? He's like, I'm reaching for the answer and it's just not there, right? So, yeah, that was a, that was a Biden yeah. classic. If we were actually to go through all the Biden things, we'd be here till like, 2023. Well, what though. I like about it is, though, he's... See, this is... He's not the same, because then he was very quick on his feet. He would go from gaff to, like, rescue, right? right? So, like, there he says, um, stand up. Oh, well, God bless you. Everyone else, you're making us stand up. Everyone stand up for Chuck. Right. So it's like he's, you know, he's being kind, somewhat masterful. In, in this election cycle, he would pop his collar up, turn around, and walk away from and, Chuck. And maybe insult him. Right, yeah. Hey, fat. He's sedentary. Hey, fat. Look sedentary. Fat. Yeah, so sedentary. sedentary. Let's do some push-ups. Yeah, let's their... do some push-ups, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, from your chair. Yeah. Uh, no, that was a good one. Yeah. I think the Trump one's going to win. I know, the Trump this one's one. the best, yeah. Are we going to vote on this? Yeah, we're going to put this to a vote. So, so go on to Twitter, at KT Helps, Adam Taibbi. We'll yeah. vote on this, and then you'll see the, the full list the results, afterwards. Yeah. All right, terrific. So let's, let's talk to Michael Moore. Have you seen this poll? Uh, it's not gotten much notice. From the West Virginia Democrats in the first year did a poll. They wanted to know, had it not been Hillary, had it been right. Bernie, had it been Trump versus Bernie, head to head. So West Virginia is the state that Trump won by the largest amount mar- margin. 68% of the vote versus Hillary was in the high 20s. It wasn't even close. Not a lot of Hillary voters in West Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Granted. So yeah. it was low. It was really, really low. 68% for Trump. They did a poll, the West Virginia Democrats, a Bernie versus Trump. The result, 48% for Bernie, mm. 46% for Trump. Trump goes from 68% of the electorate to 46 if Bernie had been the candidate. Yeah. But don't you think that, I mean, that makes, I mean, when I go out on the trail, what, what I hear, I think there's a lot of similarity between what the complaints are in, in Bernie crowds versus what they are in the Trump crowds. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of angst about the same things. There's a lot of anti-establishment uh, feeling. They will say that this whole system is rigged. Yeah. Right. It's all rigged. It feels fixed. The yeah. fix is in and the fix is not in for me. Right. right. And the question, the difference between them is whose fault it is and what to do about it. Well, this is why I personally think that's why I think Bernie has the best chance. Exactly. Of winning, yeah. That I wish people would get over whatever their problems are with Bernie. You know, he has the best chance to inspire this base to come yeah. out, to, to duke it out with Trump. And, you know, and since this since his heart attack, I'm telling you. He's been on fire. I don't know if you've been around yeah. him at all. And mm-hmm. then, but he's he's less grumpy. He tells jokes. He's funny. He did that between the two ferns thing with the Bernie impersonator. Oh, oh James yeah, with James Domi. Yeah, yes, no, it's it's so hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so like funny. Bernie never would have done that before. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they cleaned out yeah. all his arteries. Yeah. His wife said to me, she, he said, 
uh, you know, they go out on a, a morning walk every yeah. morning for an yeah. hour, okay? For an hour. Yeah. And she can't keep up with them. She says, I can't keep up with yeah, them. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Since the arteries are cleared out, he's like moving so fast. He's the, he's the healthiest he's been. He's Look at his posture on the stage. And he's not Statler and Wal, Waldorf up in the balcony <laughs> with the Muppets, you yeah. know, the, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the two old grumpy guys. And They God, were great, though. They were they, great. No, no, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that, that the kids, the kids, the Quinniac poll this yeah. past week, 52% for Bernie. Number I forgot who number two was, but that person was 30 points less than Bernie. 52% of our 18 to 35-year-olds want Bernie. And the millennial candidate, right. who you think some of them would be for, 2%. Yeah, he's all at the bottom. Yeah. He's at the shit. very bottom. But somehow the media keeps talking about him like he's surging, like he's at the front of the... No, I think, first of all, I, well, I just want to say, I, 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 I got to meet Greta Thunberg, um, there a couple months ago and she was here in new york and i was i was pretty knocked over knocked over by her righteous anger at boomers and the older yeah. generations that we have left her and her age group with the world that you know a world that i won't see the collapse you know probably not in my lifetime you two are gonna see it a goodly chunk of it but those kids that 16-year-old girl, that 12-year-old boy, they know mm. that they are fucked. And who fucked them? We fucked them. And they are, have every right to be putting the finger right in our face. We still can't get, we, we, we get down to a certain way, like our environmental movement, you know, um, uh, Bill McKibben told us 10 years ago that if we went past 350 parts per million for carbon in the atmosphere, that there's no way to turn it around. There's no way to reverse it. There's no fix. We're done. We're at 415 right now. 415 parts per million. It is over. And the environmental leaders need to come forward and say this. Somebody's got to say, we are now incapable of solar paneling and windmilling our way yeah, out know. of this catastrophe. And Jonathan Franzen, the author, yeah. had a great piece in The New Yorker a couple months ago saying, perhaps we need to first admit this and then start figuring out what we're going to do to protect the species because we're going to go through another age, whether it's an ice age or whatever. Remember, there were humans before the ice age and after the ice age. All right, so what's going to happen to the... We're not going to kill the planet. Planet's fine. Planet's going to kill us. Planet's pissed at us. And, and the planet, because we have tried to kill it and because it's stronger and has more right. weapons... Once the, it unleashes the viruses and the various bacterias and, the, and, and where's, where's our honeybees? Right. <laughs> Has anybody seen the honeybees? Or koalas. You know, I don't know if we need a koala. We do for moral, for morale. Katie likes koalas. They're oh, so yeah. cute. So but it's yeah. like a therapy bear. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. A care it. bear, okay. yeah. Okay. So. That's right. No, no. But yes, I'm, honey, I get the, I I get the honeybees. No, yeah. I, but the honeybees, you know, the planet won't die if the honeybees die. We will die. Yeah. We will, we will die. I forget what the scientists say. It's not like years. We will die in like 16, Imminently, right? 16 months. Yeah. Right. One, one year's worth of crops wow. is about it. Wow. And, and we are gone. We should be but, setting up mixers for honeybees. Yes. Right? But just, just the things like we, don't, we do nothing about the solar flares and the solar storms. Let me just, just to bum people out even more here. The last time a solar storm made it through our atmosphere and fried things, well, there wasn't really anything to fry because we didn't have electricity yet. Right. We did have the telegraph. 
and that operated on a form of con uh, um, um, when you hit the thing, the Morse code, on that and went through a wire. The solar storm fried that fried the telegraph wire. If a solar storm makes it through, it could literally fry the whole grid of the East Coast. Here's what we know and what we've been told: we have no backup grid. Number one, so it will take about a year and a half to build a new grid. Without the grid, without the electricity, humans can go a month without eating and not die. You know how long we can go without water? No water. Four days. That's it. And you cannot pump the water. All you survivalists who might be listening to this in upstate New York, right. you know, you cannot, you can go out and hand pump it, I guess, but you're not going to hand pump it for how many people in New York? 29 million people in the state. There's got to be any way for us to get water into our bodies because you need electricity to bump it. There will be no grid and there will be immediately riots, mass death, people fighting to their last breath to get water. You know, if we want to talk about the real things that we should be worried about, what's happened to our oceans, where are the fish? These are serious ass things and we spend no time talking about it probably because just right now it got quiet here in the studio. Nobody wants to think yeah. about this. Please, Mike, please don't tell me this. Just tell me how is the new season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? <laughs> well, I'll tell you how it is. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. And when it gets to episode five and six, it gets really good. And when it closes out at episode eight, you're like, oh. I mean, people were on the internet because they hadn't announced yet if there was going to be a season four, begging Amazon for a season. Of course, then they announced yesterday or whatever that there's going to be a season so they, four. They, they then, want another season, but they don't want fresh water. That, right, that, but no, if you yeah. want to be around to see it, right, you need electricity to be able to see it. So maybe you could link those two things together. Wow, you're right. See, I think this is the way we have to present the problems to yes. people. You want your Mrs. Maisel? You better start building a backup grid yeah. right now. While before. you watch it. So... No storm, though, has made it through our atmosphere since 1859. That's the time, that's the time it cat through, fried the telegraph. But it could happen at any time. This is why I'm starting this, my own media, essentially. Yeah, we because should ask I've about got that. Because I want to be talking about these things. Yeah. And you have an, ele uh, an emergency, well, we'll get into it, but then I, I, we should bring up your emergency podcast mm -hmm. system, which is great. Uh, but yes, you're starting a new podcast called Rumble. The Rumble, Rumble, right? Yeah, Rumble with Mi Rumble with Michael Moore, and it's great. I heard. Well, you have one episode that you yeah, released. Yeah, we, right? we just dropped it uh, today. It's really great, and it and it's funny because I was thinking about how you're talking about humor, and what's what's unique about this is that you kind of laugh at yourself while you're talking because right. you're recalling your 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 childhood, right? And it's it's very it's like an endearing another side of you. Because right. you're like, I don't know what I was doing. You, I, my parents gave me this tape recorder, and I was recording my grandmother uh, reciting poems, and you were having round tables with, like, nine and ten-year-olds. A group of nine-year-olds yeah. around the dining room table yeah. with my big Sears silver tone reel-to-reel tape recorder, which has to be at least 30 pounds. It comes in a case with a handle, yeah. like a piece of luggage. Right. I mean, a nine-year-old, can, I could barely lift it. So, yeah, so just to set it up, because I jumped ahead because I saw that it was so cute. But uh, you were gifted for Christmas, right? It was a Christmas? It was, well, they were, they were worried about me because I'd been a little not talking much, having a lot of nightmares, because four weeks earlier, President Kennedy had been assassinated. And, of course, being an Irish Catholic family, this was a very right. mm, awful, awful moment. We'd never had a Catholic president. 
we knew we'd never have another one again, and in fact, we have not had another right. one uh, again. Um, Could happen though. Yes. Well, any yes, any any yes. You guys got the court. The uh, Supreme Court. Oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Well, us and the Jews. Yeah, of course. Uh, up, until, yeah. up until just this, up until the last one, I think six were Catholics and three were Jews. Cashew Court. Catholic Jewish. I'm just saying that that yes, but that yeah, that and I'm usually not, is not a good thing because I've in my t- like my TV series and yeah. shows I've had, if if the writers' room is majority Catholic and Jewish, you're going to have a really funny show. Yeah. <laughs> if you let any right? Protestants in. <laughs> Yeah, you, gotta, you have to have a quota. A, you got to shut them out. We try. I try. I shouldn't probably say that. Yeah, I'll allow. But yes, I've always had. I've always. I've always. I'm, I'm not a bigot. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying that if you bring too many Baptists, white Baptists, white Baptists yeah. into the room, um, boy, it's a real buzzkill. Yeah. The British Protestants. I mean, money. You know, the money Python strain of. That's the, I'm talking about Americans. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. Oh yeah. No. 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 Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a completely American thing. Right. That that you you here you want African Americans. Latinos, uh, Jews, and Catholics yeah. uh, in the room. Yeah. And some of the Latinos are right, uh, course, mostly yeah. Catholic to begin with. Yeah. But um, so I don't know how we got onto that. Oh, but, because you uh, were saying how uh, when Kennedy was shocked, you were oh, like, there'll yes. never be another. So my parents were worried about me. And so my Christmas gift that year was they went to Sears and they bought a big reel to reel tape recorder, the old, old kind that you'd see only really in radio stations. But Sears was selling these monstrosities and they were and they and there and I, as soon as i opened it up i knew exactly what i wanted to do and it had a little square brown mic- microphone and i just started recording everything the Be- five weeks later the beatles were on ed sullivan i recorded that um i started recording the kids uh in the neighborhood i recorded like you said my grandparents i i would sit there with a microphone and just kind of you know record my thoughts like this except i had a high voice like this <laughs> and um and and then i would start i had my own um, like a nightly uh, talk show. And um, I had my theme song that was a kind of a ripoff of the old Tonight Show mm-hmm. song. And when, I, when they lay me down for a nap, I would just lay on the bed and put my feet and my hands up against the wall and I'd start banging out the song. And I and my, my mom would come in and say, you know, you got to calm down and, and take your nap. Okay. And then she'd shut the door. And then I on the wall, i go, Hey, I gotta take a nap right now, so we'll be right <laughs> oh back after God. this nap. It's a nap break. And was <laughs> that is so funny. And how old were you? Did you say? Oh, I, geez, I started doing that one around five. Oh my God. Yeah. Some yeah. of that comes through in Roger and me, though. You're, that that whole montage at the beginning about your childhood, right? Yes. It's a little bit of that. Like, well, because I they were worried about me. I didn't start walking till sixteen months, you know. And I tried to explain to them, because I've been that way most of my life. I'm, I'm a fairly lethargic uh, person. I'm not inclined to want to get up and move and do anything. Um, but, uh, but no, I crawled backwards for months before they could get me to crawl. They'd have to move things, because wow. I was always, I would go really fast, too. i just zip across the room backwards. And finally, it just became entertainment for their, their friends. And they'd right, have for all the their, neighborhood? For the neighborhood. <laughs> Yes, they'd set me down on the on the living room floor, and then I just go in reverse, and um, uh, they all loved it. I probably sensed that they loved it, and right. I so I had no incentive to start crawling forward, right? Because right? think about that: to crawl forward means you're going toward what work, yeah, or <laughs> nap time, or you know um, the whatever the candy was. It was back there, yeah. and I was just gone. So yeah, so that's how I, I show that in the movie, and. Um, 
I, I, you know, I didn't have any brothers. I had only uh, sisters, and I was probably an awful nuisance to them. But, uh, but I had all the things a, a good American boy would have. I had a machine gun. Um, I had hand grenades. Uh, I mean, you know, plastic, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, but I had, I had all those things. Um, I joined Boy Scouts. I won the NRA Marksman Award. Um, so, I, you know, I was a normal. You uh, did Irish dancing? I did, yes, I did, yes, I did. Uh, well, in, see, this is what happened. After I had that tape recorder, then the Beatles appear five, six weeks later. And then the next month, in March of 64, um, I decide to perform like a one-boy, one-man show on the stage at the St. Patrick's Day pageant. I got a big green top hat and a big four-relief clover tie. Uh, borrowed the the Irish cane from my grandparents' house, which they, which is called a shillelagh, and I went up there and I started dancing and singing to this, you know, <clears throat> to this uh, show tune. Essentially, they must have really been worried because back then you couldn't even you didn't want to go there, right? To right. worry about that, it, 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 yeah, the implication there. The implication right. was not good, yeah. right? And uh, but I'm up there on the stage. Oh, and I'm doing trying to do the Irish. Act. Oh, my name is McNamara. I'm the leader of the band. <laughs> There's actually home movies of this. Wow. Do you know where it is? Yeah, I gotta find okay. it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna oh, right, I'll post Saint it on, on, the, on my Rumble because it's it's just so crazy. So then that happens. So then the next month in April, I decide, well, the school doesn't have a school paper. Okay. I'm gonna start the school paper. This is in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So I start the St. John's Eagle. I published two or three issues of it before the nuns uh, shut it down. Over oh, a bad yeah, football was a, review. Right? Yeah, it was a bad, sports thing. Yeah, right? it was yeah. like, well, we're thinking about the season next year and that we need a new coach and we need uh, different kind of players and, oh, my God, all hell broke loose. So, Anti-establishment dogma. Right? Yes, yeah. it, was, it was awful. Yeah, exactly. So Same they shut point. that down. And now let's jump ahead another maybe 12 weeks. And the President of the United States comes out on the special bulletin on TV and he looks into the camera. He's looking right at us, oh, yeah. Lyndon Johnson. And he says, our, um, our destroyer, the USS Maddox in the Gulf of Tonkin off North Vietnam, was attacked by North Vietnamese gunboats. This did not happen. Right. It was made up. There were those within the Pentagon and the national security apparatus that wanted to go after Vietnam. And uh, the war started then in full force. And within months, within certainly within the year, we had a half a million troops there. And this all happens in this year, and I'm recording all this and capturing this audio. And, and I'm also starting to get pretty scared about, you know, geez, I hope this war is over because I don't want to go to a war. And by the time I'm in high school, it's not over. And um, there were nine boys that uh, came back uh, in a flag-covered box from just my high school. Uh, three of them um, on my street. And um, I'm sorry, there were two on my, on my street, and then there was one um, a block over. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand any of it. And my dad, who had been in the Marines in the South Pacific during World War II, um, you know, eventually he, boy... He, he lasted until he was almost 93 years old when he passed away a few years ago. He was so upset at Bush, at the war. No faith or trust or respect for anybody who's never been to war, who would send other people's kids to war when they know nothing about it. Well, you've, you've talked about a lot. You talk about infinite war, right? But it's almost like not really an issue 
No, I mean, it was a huge issue in the early 2000s, you know, with the Iraq. Now we're, we have combat operations in God knows how many countries, what, seven, eight uh, ongoing, and it's, so, bar- yes. it's barely even a, a, an issue. Well, look at last week with this uh, Afghanistan yeah. papers came right. out. We just Nobody is talking about it. But again, this is why, okay, I've got to do this podcast. Right. I've, got to, I've got to do some other things online with video, um, with, with, you know, real journalism. I'm sort of putting this all together now in a, in a way that will be very unique for the way I would do it, not the way other people would do it. But my way, at least I hope, is a way to reach middle America, to reach the place where I come from, to reach people that are not didactic or they don't have, um, they don't call themselves Democrats or Republicans. They just, they just want a break. They want some relief from this struggle of trying to live from paycheck to paycheck, from this, this statistic that came out this past year that the majority of Americans do not have $500 available to them, that if a loved one died across the country tonight, they don't have the money to go to the funeral. They literally don't have it, don't have it in their pocket, don't have it in the bank, don't, don't have it anywhere. The fact that it would get to this, where my dad comes out of the war, he has a high school education, and we grew up a union family, and the health care was 100% free, there's no copay, there's no deductible, dental, all free, eyeglasses, free, four weeks paid vacation. He works on an assembly line making spark plugs. Four weeks paid vacation. And he was home at 2.30. Wow. Work started at 6 a.m. And it went for eight hours. At one point, they were actually paid for their lunch, the lunch time, the half hour or so. They didn't take that out. And so he really worked seven and a half hours and a half hour for lunch, out at 2, home at 2.30, you know, everybody ate together, had dinner together. Um, my mom, who had taught me to read when I was four years old by reading the front page of the paper, was such a gift uh, to me because I could, um, well, I could read. And so when I went, finally went to school, I was in first grade, and everybody's singing A, B, C, D, E. Right. I'm reading books. And so I'm bored as hell, and the nuns saw that and wanted to get move me up you know, move me up a grade or two. And my parents wouldn't let them. They're like, no, he's just, he's just to be with his own, yeah. his own age. It's not, not, not a good idea. And, um, oh, I was so bummed out. I, I thought this was the best thing, you know, to be up there with the older kids. So I had to go back and fake like I was singing A, B, C, D, F, G. A bored kid like that is trouble, I'm just yeah. going to tell you. And the poor nuns, I, I, they, I think back to them now and love them dearly, but they, um, they, had, to, they had to put up with me. So, so that paper that got shut down, I, I, I started it three more times by yeah. the time I was out of eighth grade. Right. I, I wasn't going to not, not do this newspaper, and they weren't going to stop me. And, and, uh, and then so, you did it for real <laughs> later, later on, right? Well, yeah. then, yes. Yeah. And then, yes, by the time I'm, uh, let's see, that paper started when I was 22, so I started the Flint Voice then, and um, and then did that for ten years, and then I, the people at Mother Jones saw this paper that I was doing, um, and they offered me a job to be the editor of Mother Jones. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I could move to San Francisco, be the editor of Mother Jones, and um, I'd done this for ten years. And I thought, okay, 
yes, I'm going to do this. So is, is Rumble, I mean, not to bring it all the way back, but it sounds like it's going to be, this is going to be that same vision. You're, just, you're going to do it your own way. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say the things that other people are afraid to say. I don't have any bosses. I don't have any backers. I don't have any investors. I don't have anything but myself and, and Basil, uh, who is the, the real kind of mastermind behind this thing. Uh, over there, uh, uh, a Palestinian-American. Uh, I think I... Could pass I for Jewish. I, uh, <laughs> he could pass. He could, right? He's from Westchester. We have... Well, yes. He, he, he's worked on my films since... Right, well, right. For more ...longer than a decade. And, yes, I think we've used them for uh, uh, Jewish, Italian. Yeah. Italian works. Yeah. Um, uh, we had the idea the other day. We haven't tried Libyan. Oh yeah, um, but got um, it. You got to do that. You no, try but Basil. It. So oh, you know Basil. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody who knows Basil loves Basil. Yeah, he, uh, he ran HuffPost uh, uh, TV. Yeah, or HuffPost, HuffPost Live, Live. Yeah, uh, there for a few years. But I'm, I'm serious. He really is a driving force. He and I are doing this. Uh, my sister came into town to help me launch it. That's it. That's all I got. I got some. I got Basil, me, some family, and Basil uh, and me. I have, I have a niece. I have a niece and a and the husband, the man she's married to. And um, I got another niece. And am I leaving out anybody? Oh, yes, we found a really good Oh, editor, good, right. A, a podcast editor yeah. who does podcasts. It was really, uh, man, he's so fast. It's, it's so, it's, man, this is, this is a lot easier than trying to make a film. And, uh, and that's one of the things I decided with, this, with Rumble, with the podcast, is that I could make a movie this year for the election. And it'll take a year to yeah. make that movie. And I'll have it in theaters next October. That's this is too risky. I can't wait till next October. I have to be out there with this information, with organization. There's gonna, we're going to have a political arm to this. We're going to you know we're going to use the media to help organize people. We're going we will if I'm successful with this. Uh, there will be uh, bureaus that are essentially cells uh, around the country. Uh, there'll be Rumble Toledo, uh, right. Rumble Tempe. Uh, Rumble. Oh, cool. It'll be a little bit like an indie media, but but like yeah, a little uh, bit of media, yeah. and a little bit of what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Leave these people alone. <laughs> Pay them the right amount of money, and otherwise, uh, it's time for a rumble. Yeah. And rumble, I like I like the word rumble because it doesn't really imply violence. You know, it's it's like if you're the CEO and you're screwing over the workers, and you're walking down the street, and I see you. I could just kind of leap out of the car, roll you down on yeah. the grass, and just just roll you. Yeah, you know, rumble a little bit of a rumble. Like that, Not gonna hurt you. Right, right, you right, know? right. But before I let you up, I am gonna tell you to quit messing around. Quit. Why are women not paid the same as men? Somebody explain that to me. You have to start paying these women the same as men, or I'm not letting you up. That sort of thing. Now, obviously, I'm gonna make sure I don't spend a whole lot of time in jail. <laughs> while I'm trying to do a podcast yeah. and these and these other things, but I'm yeah, the but, acoustics are terrible among other things. No, right? uh, yes, exactly. But actually, my goal is to have a number of podcasts on my little Rumble network. Yeah, and I want one of those po- podcasts to come from Jail Number One Twenty Three C Block at Attica Prison. I want I want to hear I want to hear from people that we've incarcerated. We've done something really evil by creating laws that are were specified to lock up a certain group of people. They're still locked up. I loved what um, was it Cory Booker said during one of the debates that on day one he would release seventeen thousand people, and he would have and he'd have the like he sounded like he actually had the names yeah. of the people that he would remove because all he'd have authority over would be federal prisons. Right. right. 
But anybody who's in there for drugs, you're out. Yeah. You are you you are maybe a threat to yourself, um, but you're but you're mo- you mostly need help. Yeah. You could do a podcast with a phone call. Yeah. That's, That's one way thinking, you could do it. Right? You couldn't. It would be almost impossible to do it any other way. But you, yeah. But they they can't stop them from being on the phone. Yeah, I'm going to do things like that. I'm going to yeah. bring voices out that you don't hear from. Yeah. There's there's a woman in Seattle who's had a blog for a few years where women are able to celebrate their abortions. Hmm. Instead of being made to feel like they're something less or something awful and wrong and how could, you know, when you have an abortion, you make sure you don't tell anybody. When you're pregnant, you're going to have a baby, tell everybody. You have a shower. So, we're, you know, there will be a podcast where we have an abortion shower yeah. uh, every month or whatever. And women will tell their stories about why legal and safe abortion is good for all of us. Yeah. We live in a better society when women get to decide uh, when, when they're going to bring a child uh, into the world. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where my head is at. Now, people listening to this may think this is insanity. But, um, but I want to go where an institution that is even a media institution. I mean, I listen, I, I listen to you guys. I watch your, uh, your podcast here. So you are all over what's, what's uh, wrong with media in this country and how, how people are getting their information. And, um, you know, again, if I am elected president of the United States, <laughs> I'm going to appoint the, both of you <laughs> to oversee the fixing of our free press. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. We would love to talk to you for more hours and hours, but we have to wrap up. It was great having you on. Can you tell people where they can find uh, Rumble? Rumble? Uh, you can find Rumble right where you find uh, this podcast. Or, uh, by the way, if you're listening to this or you're listening to it for the first time, because I on my social media, I asked you to please listen to this. Uh, it's called uh, Useful Idiots. It's the Rolling Stone there we go. Uh, uh, podcast That's Michael Moore uh, with uh, Katie Halpern and, and Matt Taibbi. Um, and if you are long, long-standing readers of Rolling Stone, you know this is one of the great writers uh, for this magazine. I was—I I remember the mailman telling me in high school that—and this is—I used to subscribe to Rolling Stone back when it was a print. I mean, it was on paper, mm-hmm. not, not glossy magazine. And I, he said, he said, oh, you mean the paper, paper days? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It, 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 for some reason, had made it into um, some kind of liquor store that also had newspapers from elsewhere. That's where I first saw it, and um, uh, so I subscribed, and it would come in the mail late, to, you know. And I remember the the mailman saying to me. You're the only person in town that subscribes <laughs> to this magazine. <laughs> I told Jan Winter that story. It was like that's it, great. It, it uh, well, but the impact that that had on a, on a you know a 16 or 17 year old at that time was enormous, and and the writing was unbelievable. It was so wow. Yeah, no Hunter, especially in yes. Oh, yeah, he was Can you get away with this? Yeah. So so. I um, so I encourage people to listen to this podcast. I encourage you to to uh, listen or to to read Matt's writing in Rolling Stone. But uh, but thank you for uh, having me on and uh, for letting me talk about my new podcast. Yeah. Uh, it is called Rumble, Rumble with Michael Moore. That's excellent. We're done. Yeah. All right, thank you. terrific. Wow! You know, I learned something today. What did you learn today? <laughs> 
Um, a lot of things. I learned that you could give the gift of a Michael Moore film to someone. That's right. That sounds so forced, like it's a sponsorship, but I just recommend it. Yeah, you do, absolutely. You can go go into a store where they sell uh, (laughs) DVDs. They don't do that anymore, do that. Yeah, so you can just go and buy something. Download it. Download it on Amazon. I guess you can pay for it for for somebody if it's not free. Oh, right. How do you gift it? You know what? Just see it yourself and then give someone a summary of it, and that's your gift. Just keep watching our show. Yeah, that's the gift. Your gift should be a handwritten note. With, which has our website on it. Right. So Useful Idiots podcast, YouTube, uh, Apple podcasts, iTunes, and all that. Absolutely. Great idea. See you next week. I'm Michael Toscano, hoping you'll join me on the First Light podcast. We get to the heart of the event shaping our world as our correspondents check in and we talk with newsmakers and people who can take us behind the headlines. The First Light podcast, wherever you get podcasts.